Father's Day. Yeah. All the fathers rock and roll. It's good. Very cool. I thought I'd start by just sharing a story um, about surfing, of course, surfing, but also about my dad. And um, so I started surfing when I was about eight years old with my dad, and uh, we sort of learned to surf together, learned to surf. And um, at about 12, I started competing, and I started competing in Wellington and just loved it and started doing really well. And so... uh, as I started getting a bit older, maybe about 14, 13, 14, I started going to uh, competitions and representing Wellington and, uh, and going around the country, which was awesome. And then this uh, tour started called the Hyundai Pro Longboard Tour. And uh, they had an under 18 division. And I was like, this sounds awesome. I'm so keen to go along. And it was, it was the most coolest tour to go to because Hyundai fitted the bill for everything. <laughs> It costs like $80 per division to enter, but then it's like, it's real professional. There's TV cameras and they've got big towers on the beach and sound systems and they make a real big deal of it. And so it, it felt like something that I really wanted to do well at and to get better at. And so I started training and dad would be my coach and he'd try and make me eat fruit and <laughs> he didn't do so well at that bit. But like getting in the headspace of competing and doing well and with this goal in mind of becoming the the national champion. And uh, at that stage, it wasn't very achievable, but I I was like, I'm going to train and I'm going to try my hardest to do this. Now, um, when I I was 17, it was my last year of being in the under-18s division. And we were like, come on, this is the year. This is the year. And my dad, every time we'd, we'd drive together to go to these contests. And Wellington is like the worst place in the country for waves. And so all of the contests are everywhere except Wellington. And so you'd have to drive to them. But in that time driving, Dad's just talking to me and he's encouraging me and he's telling me that I can do it and he's helping me to get in the headspace. And um, I'm just loving these times together. And so this, this Hyundai Pro Longboard Tour means that you travel all around the country. So we started at Sandy Bay. Anyone been to Sandy Bay? In Whangarei, it's beautiful, it's super hot, and there are sandflies everywhere. Um, and then we moved down to uh, Mount Monganui, and then we'd go to um, places in Auckland, and then we'd go, uh, that year went down to Christchurch, Kaikoura, uh, so all the, you know, not so nice places. <laughs> no, it's beautiful, beautiful places, and we'd stay in the car, or we'd rent a little batch or something for the weekend, but it was just get there get the head in the game, and try and compete and try and do well. And now this year, uh, my last year on the under-18s, uh, I had a, a main rival. He was, he was from Ahope, and his name was Dylan. And uh, this year, it was me and him, neck and neck, every contest. And uh, I think there were six contests overall. And he won the first one, I won the second one, he won the third one. I won the fourth one, he won the fifth one. And if we wanted this title, it was either him or it was first equal. (laughs) And I was going after that first equal, and it came down to this contest. The last one was in Gisborne. And big waves, solid, like, scary sort of waves. But they sent us out anyway. Usually they'd send out the open men's and the bigger stuff, and they'd wait for it to get smaller, but it just didn't get small. And so they sent out the uh, the under-18s in the 
big stuff as well. And the girls, unfortunately, but um, they, they sent us all out. And uh, I did well. I made it through to the final. And it's, it's feeling like, I can do this. I'm so close. And my dad, is, he's just cheering me on. And, and we get into the final. And the, the finals, so it's four-man heats. And they, they give you four different colored um, vests to wear so that they can tell you apart out in the water. And you get half an hour, and it's judged on your best two waves. Each wave is judged out of 10, so a total of 20, wave, uh, 20 points. Um, and the best, best person obviously wins. And uh, I had the most shocking final. <laughs> 10 minutes into it, I'm coming dead last. How do I know? Because... I knew I had rubbish waves, and I can also hear them saying it over the loudspeaker. Kirk Byer coming in last place. <laughs> Needing a grand total of anything but what he has to get better. <laughs> and I'm just like, my heart's sinking, and I'm like, no, nah, I, I can do this, I can do this. And I catch a wave, rubbish. And I start paddling back out as a set comes, and I go to duck dive the first set. Duck dive means you go under the wave, um, and as I'm under the water, I feel my board snap in my hands. And so I come up with half a board. I'm like, hmm, we have a problem. <laughs> but actually, my heart just sank. And I was like, oh, admitted defeat. And I was so disappointed in myself, disappointed in um, us as a team. And I was just, oh, man, I thought this was it. And... Uh, and I turn and I take my half a board that's still attached to me and I, I catch the next wave in and I'm riding into shore. And as I'm going in, I hear over the loudspeaker and it's seriously like a movie. What's this? Andy Byer is running down the beach. And I look up and there's my dad and he's gotten my spare board out of the car and he's running. Now he's a big guy and... You've got to imagine there's lots of people on the beach. And because we've been on this tour for years, we know everyone. And we know the hosts, the, the two guys on the microphone. When you've got the microphone, you've got the power. <laughs> and one of them was Jay Reeves. He now works for MTV. And he was just shredding. My dad, look at him run. You're getting everyone, you know, laughing. But my dad didn't care. And he runs down the beach full throttle. And just the sight of that. I'm like, there's hope. I can do it. And, and as I get to the water, there's my dad. And he's like, you can do this. This is what you've been training for. Grab it. Don't look at the other boys. Get out there. You can do this. So I put on my leg rope and I paddle out. And I can see the guys out the back. And he's, and he's like, don't look at them. And so I'm not focusing on them. And... On the microphone, of course, they're like, he's got no time at all to get two waves to even stand a chance. But at that point, it was like my mind went off of that. And I was just like, just listen to what my dad had said, and I can do this. And so I catch the first wave that comes. Turns out it's an awesome, awesome wave. <laughs> catch it, ride it well, pull off. I'm like, I think, I think if I could get one more like that, I could do well. And I catch another one right on the hooter. So they do the big 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And I catch a wave just before the hooter. If you stand up before the hooter sounds, it's counted. 
And uh, it counts. And it's another smoking wave. <laughs> and I come in and I'm like, I'm like, I feel good about that. But my dad's standing there and he's like, you got this, you got this. <laughs> but at that stage, I didn't even really care because I was just like stoked that I'd done this, you know, that I didn't give up, that I didn't come in halfway through. And uh, we're standing on the podium, and it's not just the contest at stake, it's the, the title. And they tell me, I win. And I win the contest, and I come back in the last 10 minutes. And so I get to share the trophy with Dylan, and I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll take it home this week, and uh, I might send it to you. <laughs> so I've still got the trophy. <laughs> But we're good friends. He's in Mexico surfing at the moment, so he doesn't need the trophy. And the trophy uh, made it all the way to my garage. It's now in the garage wall. Yay! <laughs> but I, uh, I thought this morning I, I wanted to start with a race. So I want to call up maybe eight dads for a bit of a race. Dads? Come on. Simon, definitely. Jaron Marsh, definitely. Greg, some more. Is your knee up to it, mate? Danny. All right. Who else we got? Maybe from over this side. Andre. Come on. Come on. Yes. Yes. Who else? Nick Temmel? Not keen. Not keen. All right. All right. Oh, Jaron's stretching already. Jaron's stretching. Whoa, he's ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a race. Are you ready? Steady. Go. Go, 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 go. Go. Go, go, go. Here they come, coming in first, second, and third. What happened, boys? What happened? Oh, I don't know where to go. I just followed the guy with the headband. <laughs> the guy with the headband, eh? He looked prepared. He looked prepared. The guy with the headband looked prepared. What about you, Toga? You went out that way. Oh, I thought they were coming around there. So I was like, I'll be the first one in. That door leads to that door. All right. Ollie, you sort of gave up. I didn't know where to go, so what's the point starting? Fair enough. Fair enough. Greg, you were sort of in the middle of the pack. Yeah, well, my cowboy boots don't really run too far, so... He needed his horse. Andre, you sort of claimed it. You came in, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought if I just run with them and turn around, they don't know, they don't see me, and I'll just claim it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, so... It was a bit hard to know where to go if I didn't say, right? All right, so we're going to do this race again. Uh, yesterday, Maddie, Maddie had a netball game, and uh, one of them put their elbow right up. It was a final, so, you know, elbowed. So no elbows, especially you, Greg. The course, Jaron Marsh, where's the course? 
around the outside of the chairs, up the stairs, through the door, around and down through to the finish line. And you can claim it right about here, like this. All right? You can just jog. Three. Wait, wait, wait. Around this way. Now, you guys, you're a crowd, right? So let's hear the big cheering. Come on. Come on. Three, two, one, go. Go, boys, go. Come on, Jaron. Step timber, buddy. Come on. Andre's claimed it twice already. Oh, he's holding it up. Go, boys. I should lock the door. No. <laughs> Andre, what happened? You came down the wrong way. Again. How are you feeling, Jaren? Tired. How many steps on your step timber? 1,703. 1,703. Awesome. Good job, boys. Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Did all the guys come back? <laughs> no one's passed out in the hallway upstairs. <laughs> Earthquake! <laughs> Jaron, where are you going, bud? <laughs> so we've got this race going on. And uh, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. Got this race going on. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all these things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as, without, as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So, for me, I've grown up in the church. And to be honest, I thought that for me, I thought that the race was a race to become saved. And once I received salvation, I was sort of made it. I claimed, <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord, I've made it, I've, I've received this Incredible prize, which is heaven, which I've heard so many amazing things about, that I have received this prize, which is an eternal life with the Almighty Savior. And, uh, and then I thought, well, now my task, my, my job must be to lead other people in this race and to help them get into the kingdom of God, help them to get saved. And so that's what I did. And and I sort of, I planned my, my own sort of path, and I ran it hard. And it was this, this path of like what I thought Christianity 
really looked like. And I, I was convinced of it. And so I worked my guts out. <laughs> I would be blood, sweat, and tears in it and do it all in the name of Jesus. And it was all good things. Of course, leading people to Christ. Of course, sharing the gospel with my friends at school. Of course, wanting to see them come into this incredible eternal life, just like I've received. Surely that's, that's got to be legit, right? Absolutely. That's the prize. But then I realized that justification, salvation is a gift, And if it's a gift, then how can you win a gift? You win a prize, but you're given a gift. And um, a few years ago, we looked at, at uh, for youth, we looked at justification, sanctification, glorification. And it was the journey that we'd been on. And for me, when I heard these words, I was like, mm-hmm, what? Never heard of these words before. What, what does it mean to be justified? What does it mean to be sanctified? And glorification, what's that about? And I've come to realize that justification, just as if you've never sinned, that's the gift. That's what he's given us. When we declared with our mouth and in our heart that Jesus is Lord and he's Lord of my life, and I received this precious, most powerful gift of salvation, that was a gift. So what on earth is he talking about running a race to receive a prize for? What, what, am I, what way am I running? <laughs> because for me, I felt like I got lined up and it was ready, go! Now Jaron, Jaron had heard from me. He's my best mate, so I didn't want him to look like an egg. So I gave him, I gave him a headband and I told him which way to run. And so when I said go, Jaron confidently set off. Everyone else sort of split. That was amazing. I didn't, I didn't know how it would quite work. But were you guys going this way, that way, that way, and a few just sort of standing here, not knowing where to go, clearly because they hadn't heard from me giving them instruction. And I felt like that was me, that it was like, for Jesus, go! And I don't know if you've read Greg's book yet, but I encourage you to. Chapter 2, chapter 3. If God hasn't revealed a picture of the finish line for you yet, then what do we do? What did I do? You create your own path. You make your own way. Surely, I mean, it seems right that, you know, it's everything Christianese. It seems good. It seems right. Of course, leading people to the lost is right. So I'll just make a path and I'll run it, and I'll run it hard. But I'm going this way when I'm supposed to go that way. I loved, I, I was supposed to tell two people to, not where to go, but just to follow Jaron. But I forgot until the last minute, and then I thought, well, just see what happens. And was it Nick and Simon? They just followed the guy with the headband. <laughs> and that's awesome, right? Because... Sometimes if we don't actually know the way, then we actually need to be surrounded by others or see someone that's trustworthy, that's worthy of following, and you follow them. It's discipleship. It's not ideal if you get to the finish line and you still have no idea where you're going and you're just following that one guy. 
the hope is that along the way, the one who's heard would turn around and say, hey, <laughs> he told me that this is the way that we're going. And then all of a sudden they can run all confidently rather than one with two following sort of semi. But then I think about the crowd of witnesses. You read in Hebrews where it's like we have this crowd of witnesses hanging out, cheering us on. Can I ask, Ollie, was it a little bit embarrassing just to stand here? Like not knowing? Kind of, not really? A little bit. Because of everyone, hey. If no one was here, then it wouldn't really matter. Exactly. And so we have this crowd of witnesses in heaven cheering us on. But then also we've got everyone here as a body that we're to be cheering each other on. And it can be so embarrassing if you're running the wrong way and no one says anything or no one sort of stops you. They sort of go, yay, yay. (laughs) Maybe they pull out the phone. I think Jaden pulled out the phone in case someone fell over (laughs) because then it would go viral on YouTube. But... But as a community, we're to be celebrating together and encouraging one another on this race, correct? That's why we're meeting together on Sundays. That's why we meet together during the week, to encourage one another on this race. What does it say in Matthew? How wide is the gate that leads to eternity? How wide is the gate that leads to destruction? Which one's which? Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow. It's like fairly narrow through here. I was a little bit worried this morning about these things. These are like death traps on the side of the chairs. I don't know if you've ever come in here in the dark and walked into one of those or run at full pace. And I thought the guys would be elbows down, the, down here and get the side of the chair in the leg. But it's a straight and narrow path that leads to righteousness. And that's not easy to be on. And it's really not easy if you have no idea where you're going or you've got no one to follow, no one that you're trusting, and no one actually encouraging you in this journey. And it's just beautiful, this picture that God's given us of what we're to be as a body. And while it was cool that Jaron and then Simon and Nick came in first, second, third, Still not ideal that majority of the crew didn't make it to the end, correct? And yet that's a picture of what can happen if we're not functioning as a body, if we're not all in this together, if we're not all coming in to the finish line, running this race together. So what is this race then? Because this is what I've had to sort of get my head around. Allow God to renew. If I'm justified and that's a gift, then what is sanctification? What does it mean to go on this race, which is for the rest of your life from that moment, of him sanctifying you, becoming like him, him renewing your mind, him renewing your heart? Because I thought that the race was getting other people in to heaven, right? It was saving them, allowing them to hear the gospel and to receive salvation. 
Does that mean that that's not in any part of it? Not at all. The more that God is renewing my heart, the more that I'm coming into his image, the more that I'm naturally every day sharing the gospel, the more that it can't help but come out of my mouth because the work that he's doing in me makes it so impossible not to. And that's the joy that I'm coming into more and more now, that I can be in the most crazy places. This week I'm, I'm, I was in the police station with, uh, with Brett, and we're sharing about Jesus. And it's not weird, and it's awesome. And to be out in the community, to be in different environments, to have people over for dinner who don't know him, to be sharing the gospel isn't weird because he's doing it in me, and it's a living thing in me that I would hope the, the, the proof is in my life. You know, so the, 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 the articulation of it is only just a part because then they look at your life and they go, yeah, that backs up. The race that you're running looks like what you're talking about. And so justified, sanctified, glorification, glorified. And the more that, and I'm not going to stand here and say that God's given me this revelation of what it looks like to be glorified, to be in our glorified state. We see the picture on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is in that state. And that, that's, that's like the most beautiful image, yet I wasn't there and I, I can't quite picture it. And I look at what he's doing in us as, as we're on this journey together of being sanctified, allowing him to renew us and what we're coming into. And it's like, the more beautiful that is, imagine how beautiful it will be with him one day. So how did I get to this point? What was the deal breaker? What was the showstopper? Lord, Lord, many will stand before them and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do hours of setup? Did we not move all of these chairs every Friday morning and night? Did we not go into high schools and set up Christian groups? And did we not do all of these things? And I will say to them on that day, away from me, I never knew you. And what got me was the fact that they're doing all these things in his name. So therefore they know him. And I would say that they're saved. Because I used to look at that and go, oh, that's such motivation to share the gospel with people. Because otherwise they'll say he doesn't know, he doesn't know them. And they're not given this opportunity but actually they already know him because I don't know many people that cast out demons in Jesus name but don't know Jesus and so I was like I'm doing all of these things in his name yet he could say away from me I don't know you and I was like far out this is so much bigger than what I've conceived what I've thought of what I have believed and therefore my life has been appropriated to that so what's going on, Lord? He's like, justification, receiving this gift, that's the start line. Go. Which way am I going to go? Every moment along the journey, it's actually requiring us to turn back to him and go, God, what way do you want me to run? 
And when you're doing it with him, it's just like with the surfing. It's like, I just want to do this with my dad. And I, winning that trophy isn't just about me. It's like, it's, it's the glory of my dad as well. Right? It's not just a me winning, even though surfing is one of the most selfish sports I know of. And it's not just me winning and all of you guys miss out. It's us together. We're coming into this life that is on offer. So what about the ones that don't hear the go? Or what about the ones that hear the go but stand here and don't hear from him, don't want to hear from him? I didn't know the way and so I didn't go. That's all right, isn't it? They're still justified. But they stand before him and go, he goes, I never knew you. But welcome, you're here. You've received this gift of salvation. My son died for you. What about the ones that (laughs) ran out that door or ran up there instead of going on track? It's like, oh, I thought that was the way. That's what I did. I was like, I thought this was the path, and I was running full steam ahead. And it looked so Christian. It looked so godly, and it was in his name. Yet in my heart of hearts, I knew if I stood before him, he'd be like, I never knew you. Because you haven't done this with me. You've just used your strength, your gifting, your knowledge of me, what you see of other people doing, and gone, that must be the way. I love that song we're singing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Is he the only way? The only truth and the only life? Or is he just one of? Yeah, I reckon lots of people think that he's one of. And like, you know, we can sort of change it each week as we feel. It's like, this week I'll go his way. And today maybe I'll just swing a little bit this side. I'll do an Andre and shortcut it. <laughs> Man. And then other people don't even realize. I heard this story, and um, I don't know how true it is. I tried to Google it yesterday, but it didn't work. But um, I heard this story, and I wrote it down on my phone ages ago, and I was looking through my phone and found it, about this guy that went to a, um, a garage sale, and he bought a shoebox full of things for a dollar. And he just took it home and he put it in his garage. And uh, he left it. And then years later, he went back through it. And he, he found stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm doing a clear out. So he put all of the things on Trade Me for a dollar. And um, I've just added in Trade Me because I think it's probably Trade Me. But um, one of them was a watch. And he put this watch in. And the, the people asked and they said, you know, can you clean it up? What name does it have on it? And he cleans it off and it says Rolex. And so it says dollar reserve. And the story that I have written to my phone, which is probably not legit, but seems legit to me, this watch sold for $28,000. And when I heard this story, I had to write it down because to me it was like this gift that we have received of salvation justified just as if we've never sinned Jesus on the cross dying for us that we can have eternal life with the father that can be the most empowering incredible thing or we can put it in a box and leave it in the garage not even realizing that it's worth 28 grand 
or far more if you realize eternity. But do you know what I mean? And I was just like, far out. We can do that. We can actually do that. Just put it in the garage and forget about it. And then you don't realize it's worth till other people start bidding on it. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is worth more than I thought it was. Why didn't I do this sooner? And that was the question for me. Why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I stop and go, God, which way do you want me to run? God, how do you want me to run this race? God, where am I running to? What is the prize at the end of this race? Why do I want to run? Who do I want to run with? And who are the people that look confident and are running that I can follow, that look trustworthy, that I can rub up against and go, tell me the way that you're running. Tell me why you're going. I think of all the disciples that walked around with Jesus. And I think of the ones, you know, we've got Jesus feeds 5,000. And then they all go to sleep. In the night, Jesus walks across a lake. What a legend. In the morning, 5,000 people wake up hungry. And they're like, where's he gone? And it says, and they searched for Jesus. Because they they didn't know where he'd gone. And so 5,000 people, mission for a whole day around a lake. And the coolest thing is they work out that he didn't go on a boat. The disciples went on a boat, but Jesus must have walked across the lake. That's motivation enough to want to follow this guy, right? I'm going to go follow the guy that walked across the lake. Mean. But then they get there, and he's like, you've come because you're hungry. You liked what I did yesterday. I fed you. Now I'm going to share with you that you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is the path. This is the straight and narrow path. This is the way that leads to righteousness. And all these guys, probably ladies and families, they've just spent all this time invested, missioning around a lake. They finally find him, and then they're like, well, nah, we're not going to follow him. That was too hard. The teaching's too hard. And so... It's like 5,000 one day, 5,000 gone the next. And yet he turns to his disciples and he goes, are you going to go too? They say, where would we go? So what's the difference? One of them had seen, or one group had seen these incredible miracles. The true, authentic work of God and been amazed by it. And it is, it's so amazing. His, these gifts that he's given us to to, uh, to do on the earth are an, an incredible. To see people like proper healed, it's incredible. It can only be God. You can't go, that was this person that prayed for that. It must be God. Yet, when he then stands in the way and he goes, well, do you want to follow me? For some people, that miracle was enough. But for others, they just go, nah, I've seen seen stuff like that before. I've seen it on TV. I remember someone said to me, hey, have, have you realized how much supernatural stuff is on TV? Yeah. Everyone's hungry for it, eh? But all it does is it waters it down so that when they see God, they sort of go, well, I've got something to compare it to. So, mm. man, it, it grated me out. I was gutted to my core. Like when you know, Harry Potters and all of that started coming out and all these kids They're like, yeah, proper, like the supernatural is real. I'm like, absolutely it's real. And there's 
right and there's wrong. There's God and then there's everything that is not God. Which one's going to appeal to you? Which one do you want? Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. This race, man, it's on. It's so on. And it's more on than I thought it was. It's more on than you think it is. Because we're going to stand before him. And for me, I was like, well, I'm young. i got time. Man, working, um, spending time with Carmen, she works in some pretty nasty things. She sees all the, you know, the bodies when they pass away. She works for the police. And um, she was just saying, man, and, and what Danny said last Sunday night, working as a funeral director, life is short. <laughs> and how long do you want to delay it? I uh, get to spend Friday mornings having coffee and discipleship with Jaden and, and a few other boys, Mitch. And uh, something Jaden bought one day, he said, there was a sign outside a cafe in Lower Hut and it said, free coffee tomorrow. And I came back the next day for that free coffee and the sign said, free coffee tomorrow. <laughs> so I came back the next day, ah, oh, free coffee tomorrow. Ugh. When's tomorrow? And it was like the moment he said that, it was just like, boom. I'll seek you tomorrow. I'll go your way tomorrow, Lord. I'll listen to you tomorrow. I'll align my life. I'll allow you to renew my mind tomorrow. And it's like the sign that's out every day. It's like, man, when am I going to wake up and just go, all right, Today's the day, Lord. Today's the day. The race is on. So running this race of sanctification. How do we do it? One, we hear from him. We turn to him all the time. Two, we're doing it together. And that's what discipleship truly is. And I reckon discipleship can become another buzzword that we just throw out there and we put into our language, yeah, yeah, I'm in discipleship, I'm in discipleship. I had discipleship group this week. Yet it's just a buzzword. It has no meaning if you're not actually in discipleship with one another. What's the purpose of discipleship? to encourage one another on, to keep us on the straight and narrow, to point us towards Christ. If we're not in that, what's the likelihood of running confidently this path that he has mapped out for us? Having others that are with us and then having a community of people cheering us on. That's why it's so important to gather together. I love what Greg shared a couple of weeks ago, gathering together. Why? One of the reasons is so that we can encourage one another on in this race that we're running because it's proper on. (laughs) It's on. That's all I have on my heart to share this morning. Just, just then, um, I'm just sort of 
just some words, and, and it's a body race. Okay? So, so Hebrews says that you're preparing for me a body, so it's not an individual race, and so this, that needs to die. You know, so it's not even about running your own, it's about running with. You know, so like Jesus was with his disciples, and when he left, they continued to walk with the Spirit of God, which is God. So they didn't go, right, fellas, we're all out of here, go your own way. And so it's a body race, which means we need to be in a body, not running as individuals, um, which is powerful, which is discovering his way. Body always trumps individuals. Individuals make up a body, but it's never an individual first. And that messes us, doesn't it? To be honest, because, you know, so phenomenal. There's a new word, phenomenal. Um, man, it's been special this morning. That was a special time. And I'm just believing for more of that. Um, I hope you are too. And I hope you come expecting hope you come with a hunger and a desire for him and one another to receive everything he has for us because you know at that judgment seat there is an incredible reward and that's what the Bible says Jesus is returning with his reward for those who have all run the race and been a body who have been won and that's the challenge And that's why he tells you and says to us, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. That's why that's key right at the start. Because there's no part of self that can be in this thing. Beautiful thing.